Freestyle Travel. Hey everybody, this is Freestyle Travel Show, I'm your host Kenny Flannery, and in this episode we'll be talking to Liz Stewart. Those of you who've listened to the podcast for a while know that I met Liz Stewart uh, when I was in Mississippi, she was in Alabama, she uh, has been on the podcast twice, the first time was when she was throwing a march for marijuana that she did not throw <laughs> at the time, uh, it seemed like she was going to throw it. And then she disappeared off the map for a little while. That got kind of crazy, and I caught up with her down the road in Albuquerque and recorded a second episode where she went over all the drama and things that happened with the Pop March and in her life and how things got pretty chaotic. That was the last episode you might have heard, and a lot's happened since then. <laughs> she's gotten to some darker spots. She's got uh, some pretty wild stories about how she met her uh, current boyfriend and, yeah, just how things got even stranger and the circumstances which uh, in which she met her uh, boyfriend are really cool, actually. So it was great actually hearing that story. I saw her earlier in the summertime and there's a lot of stuff we didn't talk about because we were going to do it on the podcast when we just didn't get around to it. But uh, yeah, now I'm back. So uh, real quick, since the last episode, I wound up here in Kansas City again. Uh, so New Year's Eve, I was talking to Liz on the phone, and she's like, let me get you a ticket out to uh, Kansas City. And I didn't have any definitive plans after New Year's. I was going to kind of start heading south. So I was like, yeah, that'd be great, because uh, she's at this hostel, which we talk about a little bit now, and she's working here she was uh just staying here and then they offered to let her uh you know stay for free in exchange for uh being the resident artist and you know helping turn over rooms and clean and that sort of thing so really cool spot i'm glad to uh be here too checking it out so i uh, yeah i enjoyed the rest of wyoming i hitchhiked one more time so if you listen to the last episode all about my hitchhiking statistics uh add two rides to that so a total of 200 rides that i hitched in 2020 uh so i've updated that uh statistics page to reflect those two extra rides uh just going around from jackson to uh teton village to see my sister uh so yeah good times rounding out through uh, christmas and new year's and spent a few extra days and yeah liz got me that ticket so i uh Spent like 18 hours in the Denver airport, had a lay over there, kind of slept in uh, one little wing of the airport that was quiet, and got here just a couple days ago, a couple nights ago. So, really enjoying it, and I'm not sure how long I'll be here altogether, but uh, I did get my passport back in the mail. I uh, sent that in to be renewed about a month ago, and I luckily got a pretty quick turnaround, so I'm, you know, armed with a passport again, so... Uh, yeah, thinking about uh, getting out of the country, but uh, mentioned a couple ideas after the uh, chat with Liz, so yeah, let's just get into it. We got right into it right away. We turned the microphones on, and just she just started uh, talking, catching up, so like I said, the backstory is, you know, how we met, and 420 March that uh, she organized and then ditched out on, <laughs> so the first podcast was talking about that, the second one was talking about why she ditched on it where she went to, uh, some of her struggles along the way, uh, substances and all that. And yeah, so now we'll get into what happened next. All right, here's Liz Stewart. 
<laughs> All right. So last time I, we talked, I was in Albuquerque. We were at the hotel and you left. So shortly after you leave, which, you know, I, uh, we talked last time about like addiction and things like that, but boy, it got a lot darker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I relapsed shortly after you left. Um, and I've been waiting to hear this too. Yeah. You, uh, I'm glad we held off on this. This is a cool leg of the journey. So I relapsed shortly after you leave and, um, I end up meeting this guy who was this Jewish musician and I was super into him cause he was talented. You know, he could, um, he had won like recording contracts before. Um, and he was, uh, yeah, <laughs> he happened to be a heroin addict. So I was like, Hey, this is perfect. Like, let's get together. <laughs> yeah. So we did. And, um, we got together and, um, we got sober. Well, I got sober again. Oh. So we used, so, um, know, he was a heroin addict. He decided together to, uh, so we're like, we're going to get sober. And so we did, um, well, he got sober. I continued to use. <laughs> okay. And then finally he's like, you know, look, you, you gotta, you gotta get sober. This isn't working. Da, 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 da. I mean, and I was going to like, uh, like group therapy and shit and talking just high as a kite thinking no one really knew. Hmm. But they're all a bunch of addicts. So they know. Oh, everyone knew, yeah. you know what I mean? Everybody knows. Everybody knows when you're not doing well, you know, like, um, so I relapsed and it was brief and it, it didn't get terrible. So I, um, actually it did get bad. I forgot about that part. So he ends up like just kind of leaving, disappearing. Cause he was trying to stay sober. I wasn't staying sober. Um, so I ended, uh, uh, using drugs, intervening, I like I being drugs for the first time, like that summer. Gotcha. Yeah. So Up when I game. say it gets darker, it gets like, uh, yeah. And you're on your own by yourself. Doing yeah. This, or so new I had, uh, I had a buddy, it? I had a buddy that, um, I'd actually met in my, uh, model like rehab group when I'd gotten sober before and he'd relapsed also. So I was kind of letting him crash at my apartment um, you know, and they and everybody is just bringing me whatever I want because I have, you know, I had like a solid place and X, Y, Z. Gotcha. So I'm just letting all these people in my house. And, um, we, um, he and I, you know, we all were there getting high for a few days and, you know, we we're like, let's start a fucking small business where we do funny greeting cards that are like, Oh, congrats on your abortion. You know what I mean? Or like, um, this is the happy happy worst day. day this is when we came up with happy worst day because gotcha. i made a breakup card for that that jewish kid <laughs> and um so i call it i um i just start getting miserable i have some poetry i actually wrote during that time and i talk about how like dark things have gotten um i cut my bangs so i could hide my eyes um <laughs> it was a really dark poem and it was you know i was like you know, I was like, I'm talking less to myself and even more or less to other people. And soon I'll probably achieve total silence, which looking back was a really dark thing for me to write. Yeah. Well, I like turned my phone off for like 10 days. I stopped going to work, you know, things got bad for me. Well, like one night I just called him and I was like, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like help me out. So he came and got me from my apartment. Cause he's yeah. like, you don't need to be in that apartment. I don't know what's in there. You know, you've got people in and out of there. It's not safe. It's not conducive to like you getting better. Yeah. 
So um, he came and got me from my apartment. I checked myself into a detox for like five some odd days. Okay. So I detoxed for like five days and then I did like, I went into an outpatient like rehabilitation group with right. the same, at the same place I'd done it before. So I had like my same therapist next to and I The place that we had talked about? Yeah. Last, and okay. and so I, uh, I cannot stress enough the value of a good therapist. Um, and that's a big part of my story. This leg of my story is like taking charge of like my mental health and my overall health and you know, you, I'm, I'm big on like right now, like you can't pour from an empty cup, but when you pour from an overflowing cup, it's effortless. Yeah. And, um, that's kind of like what I've been focused on lately, but I go back, I see my therapist, I'm in this group and I actually finish the program. It's like a four month program, three days a week, uh, three, four days a week, three hours. Four months. I did four months of that. Wow. And I finished. Were you working at the same time? Or? Um, I got a job right at the end. So I was able to just kind of stay out of work. So my boyfriend, uh, my old Jewish boyfriend, he was sober. I was sober. So we were living in um, a townhouse in Albuquerque together that was his mother's. Yeah. So I got a job right when I graduated my outpatient deal. Graduated. I got to tell my life story um, at my graduation, which was amazing because I've never sat down and just told like A to B. Whole the whole thing um, from like childhood to like my where I'm at now and it was beautiful because I told them when I told that story um, and I'm in a group full of just like all these different people put together and um, it's cool to be able to relate so broadly you know to people and um, but I told them at the end of that story I was like you know the best part about this story is I'm still writing it like every day I get to get up and write this story of course you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. and um, I've been reading a lot of Brene Brown lately and she says when you own your story you get to write the ending and I love that nice you know yeah. and um, so I get to tell my life story it's so freeing and so uplifting I cried at the end and I was like you know yes the yesterday one thing I said in there that stuck out to me was Yesterday, I took a selfie just because I thought I looked pretty, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, it was so good and everything was so great. So I start this, this like corporate job. I got a corporate job. And when was this? This is 2020? This is, yeah, point, 2020. Or? So I started the year off 2020 clean, sober, graduating, telling my life story. And it was just beautiful. And um, so tell my life story, graduate, get this corporate job and... Um, Nick and I relapsed together. So we relapse and um, within a month or so I get my job. Or... Yeah. It was it wow. was cutting it close. Yeah. And so I, we relapse. I'm working this corporate job. I'm making great money. Um so he fast forward it's February and one day, it was the day before my birthday, um I looked at him and I was like, is there Narcan in the house? Just because like I knew what he was doing and something just told me to ask. And Narcan is the drug that they give you when you overdose on opiates. How do they give that to you? Is it a needle? It's in your, thing? Nose. in your nose. So it's a spray that goes in your nose, right? So So if you're overdosing, you get sprayed with that and hopefully if you haven't gone too it re far. It reverses, it will, it will reverse it. Yeah. So I looked at him that day. This was about two in the afternoon. I said, is there Narcan in the house? He said, yeah, I think it's in the upstairs bathroom in the cabinet. And I walk up the stairs, open the cabinet, look at it, put my hands on the box, look in the box and put it back in the cabinet and close the cabinet. Yeah. At 2.30 the next morning on my 30th birthday, I'm sitting downstairs eating pizza and the house gets really still. 
And I was like, I need to check on him. And I go upstairs and he's slumped over in a chair. And I call his name out. When I called his name out, he hit the floor and he was blue. He'd overdosed. Damn. And I knew where the Narcan was. Right. So you ran I went right and bought for it. that. I couldn't read the box because I was panicking. Um, and that, this was an older dose, so you had to actually like assemble stuff to like put it together and do it. Oh, damn. I couldn't do it. In that kind of moment. <laughs> His father happened to be visiting us and was in the house. And I woke him up and I threw the box at him. And I said, call 911, put this together. He's overdosed. And I just dropped to my knees and started giving him CPR. And his his nose was bleeding. I'm got blood on my face. His dad goes into shock. Um, so he couldn't assemble that thing. Either. He, he said, "I don't know how to put it together." He's trying to pick him up off the floor and hug him, and like he's crying. And I'll never forget the look on that man's face. And um, I just kept kept pumping him, and I'm screaming on the phone with 911. And I'm like, "Please, just give me CPR counts." <coughs> Because I didn't know how to do CPR correctly, which if you don't know, learn. Um, that's a valuable skill to have, and you never know when you may have to use it. So they're trying to give me CPR accounts. I'm pumping his chest. I worked on him for probably 10, 15 minutes with no response. Wow. And he's blue? He's like a grayish blue. His lips are like gray. He was he was gone. Yeah. Um, so right when the paramedics and the police show up, he's... He sits up. I had been able to assemble the Narcan and hit him twice with it. He sat up right when they got there. And I was just standing there with my hands on my head looking at him. And he looked at me and I was like, oh my God. When we go to the hospital, he get, they give him a, you know, a toxicology. And um, he had fentanyl. He had done fentanyl, which is huh. a very small dose of fentanyl can kill you. And he had injected fentanyl. He injected it. He injected it. Had he done that before? Or is this his first No, he wasn't trying it? to do fentanyl. You know, he thought he had gotten oh, heroin. Gotcha. And someone had given him fentanyl. Trickery. Fuck. And um, he was dead. Dead as a doornail. And I cracked his ribs, giving him CPR. And the doctors are having me in the hallway. And they're telling me, good job, good job. And I'm like, I don't know how this person is alive right now. So they run his reports, and in the hospital, they ended up having to, like, IV Narcan into him. It, he had that much in his system. Wow. Um, he was dead. He was, I, I don't know how that man's alive, but I'm glad he is. I'm glad he made it through that. That's yeah. scary. So, but the bad part about it is in areas where the opioid epidemic had hit really hard, people are desensitized to that kind of stuff. You know, they'll Narcan a buddy, throw him in the car, and take off for the day. It's just that bad. And I did not realize that. And I was so shook by see it by what had gone on. Yeah, that shouldn't be a normal thing to see. No, you should never have to see that. And his father should have never had to see that, you Shit. know? And the next day I called my family and I was like, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry for every time I put a chemical in my body because that could have been them. You know what I mean? That yeah. could have been my parents picking me up off the floor. Yeah. And, uh, but addiction, addiction is a bitch because it doesn't care. It doesn't <laughs> care that you have a family. It doesn't care that, you know, you have kids. It doesn't care about any of that. So you kept going after that? I kept going. God damn. And, um, he ended up continuing to use as well. 
unbeknownst to me, so I'm at work the following Friday. I can't get a hold of him. I call his mom. She said, I'm at the hospital. He's overdosed again. Damn. Yeah. A so week I, later? I said, he cannot no longer live with me. I said, it's either, you know, he's leaving or I'm leaving and I'm paying off bills, you know, because I'm working. So I end up, we end up getting him into like a sober living program. He has to go live somewhere else. I have, I'm starting to have nightmares. Um, I went through this whole, I was just traumatized from it. I'm having nightmares. I can't think straight. So I continued, you know, I, I, I continue to use because that's, taken all this like bad stuff away from me and you're living with his family we're li i'm living in a home that his mother owned oh okay so, by yourself or with yeah him? so he's in cyber living i'm living there yeah so COVID happens oh yeah that COVID happens and he says i need to come back because of COVID, and he convinced his mother so he comes back into the house okay this is a couple weeks after this whole thing you know it didn't last long um so cpr a week later overdose again two weeks later back COVID in the house back. yeah Damn, he's back in the house so i had no time to like i would hear loud noises in the house and go running up the stairs i mean i was it it took me a while to get over that but i had a lot of drugs so it, <laughs> it's kind of easy to get over unfortunately well COVID happens. We're all in quarantine. They shut down the state of New Mexico. I can't go to work. I start working from home, which for addicts, isolation is the worst thing we can do. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Imagine. Like yeah. I'm isolated and bored and I just have a bunch of money. So yeah. what do you think I was doing? You know what I mean? We used the whole, whole time. Well, it's okay. crazy. <laughs> well, for I like ended another up, month at that point or? This was, yeah, in March. So in March, I start, um, I'm, I'm like making cool stickers and stuff because I got in this little like vinyl machine. I'm kind of selling those on the internet. Yeah. And then I end up on Reddit. And so I make, there is a stimulants chat room on Reddit. A stimulus chat room? Stimulants. Stimulants. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. so of course, like <laughs> I'm bored and awake. <laughs> I get on there and I start mingling with these people. And it's fascinating because you have all these people who are high on stimulants in one chat room together. It's like 7,000 of them. Oh, wow. Oh, it's phenomenal. Sounds chaotic. Oh, God, it's, it's a ride. And that's part, a big part of the story. So I'm in there and um, I end up forming this little group of online friends. So we create this like secret little chat. Well, like, those are the people I started hanging out with. We would all get on Zoom calls and hang out and X, Y, Z. Okay. So I form a group of like online cronies who are doing the same shit I'm doing. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And we're talking March or April. Yeah. May yeah. At this point. Yep. Exactly. Okay. So um, we all hang out. Well, I get one day, <laughs> one night I'm in there and my favorite number in the world is three. Three okay. is just like my number. If I see a three, I'm like, me you know how we all have those like numbers yeah. you know what i mean so i'm in there on june 3rd and uh somebody sees me in there talking and um, my profile picture though on reddit because it's all anonymous and i love that about it because you can be very candid there yeah you know what i mean about i don't have to worry about anybody knowing who i am or whatever yeah 
So I'm very candid with these people. You know what I mean? These have become my people. Like I've gotten to know, I can tell them anything, you know? Yeah. Well, my profile picture on Reddit was a very um, large African-American woman with like a plastic beehive, pink beehive on her head and a headset on. <laughs> so that was like my photo. But yeah. you know what I mean? But the people who knew me knew it wasn't me. Right. So I'm in this, um, this chat room on June 3rd. And, uh, I'm in there, I guess, out of 7,000 people, I was the loudest one there. So, <laughs> Rob happens to be in there. Rapacious Rob. All right. He's in there, right? So, he sees me talking and clicks on my profile. And this is someone at that point you do not I do know. not know. Okay. Never met this person. So, he, he says he sees me running my mouth and he clicks on my thing and my profile populates. Well, I'd been making those stickers, right? And I had made a bunch for the state of New Mexico, and he saw that. So on June 3rd at 3.33 in the morning, <laughs> believe it or not, got a paper trail, and I was, we, we didn't realize this till months later, actually. Yeah. June 3rd at 3.33 in the morning, I get this message that says, are you in New Mexico? And I'm like, who the hell is this? Right? So it's this guy, and he's like, I'm in New Mexico, too. And I was like, but I recognized, I was like, this guy's looking for friends because that's what I had been doing. We're all shut down. We're all in lockdown. I was like, he's looking for friends. And, um, you know, they say, <laughs> they said, you know, buy the ticket, take the ride. And for some reason, we ended up sitting next to each other on this, like, thing called life. And out of all these 7,000, you know, high-ass people, we, we happen to be three hours apart. Hmm. And so... We, I'm like, I'm going to add you to my little friend group chat. So I add him uh, on the there. private, like, Zoom right. chilling group. Yeah. So um, we talk candidly for a month, and um, we become, like, best friends. But we don't know what the other person looks like. Right. So he thinks I'm this Are you woman. talking? So you're not Zoom calling with him? No. We are, are not. Are you uh, phone calling, or is it all just text? It's all just text. Back and forth? Yeah, yeah, it's all on uh, Telegram. Gotcha. So we're all just texting back and forth in our little group. And then he and I would talk and um, he became my best friend. Hmm. But he thought I was the woman in that picture. Right. So, <laughs> <But> he, <laughs> yeah, he thought I was like his, you know, strong, fierce African-American woman. <laughs> and um, which I guess when you know my personality, like <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> so we become great friends and um, I just think the world of him. You know, I'm like, this is one of my best friends. Well, one night we all get on a Zoom call and he, we see each other for the first time. Yeah. And he's like, that's her? He's like, I've been reverse catfished, you know? <laughs> so um, we end up spending close to 48 hours a week on Zoom. Oh, wow. Hanging out. Yeah. We become best friends. At that point, is that just like an open Zoom call? Like, are you talking the whole time or you just like look over every once in a while? Be like, oh, yeah. Sometimes we would just hang out and draw and listen to music. You know, we were all using drugs on there together, oh, which wow. was fun. Yeah, <laughs> we, it was. we had some weird Zoom parties, um, yeah. which I'll spare you the details of those, but <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we become these best friends. Well, my ex boyfriend you know the boyfriend who died and we're living together yeah of course if i'm spending 48 hours on zoom i'm not paying very much attention to this guy right so oh, you're still living with him yeah yeah he's there oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so he starts just losing it right yeah well 
He's not Man. partying in the, these Zoom chats. I mean, he's trying to, or... to, but I'm just kind of ignoring him. Like, because, gotcha. you know, I've got all these other friends that are way cooler than him. He's old yeah. news. And I was still very resentful at him for the whole overdose thing. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I was still mad Twice about that. a week. It's pretty wild. Yeah. And, like, come to find out I was funding that habit. And, like, I'm not with that. Like, you yeah. know, I have my vices, but I draw the line somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> and, right before overdose. We're staying alive. Yeah. So, uh... He, golly, man. So he just starts losing it. And like the more he like wants to spend time with me and try to like make things work, the more I just pull back. Right. So eventually it gets to the point where I'm like, I'm going to leave you. And like, this isn't going to work. And then he really loses it. Right. So he just starts like behaving bizarrely to try to get my attention and things got kind of out of hand. Well, I'm, I, told, I told Rob, I'm like, I'm getting out of here for a few days. So I leave and my friend who had been at my apartment the summer before when I was yeah. doing really bad. Oh, yeah. I call him and I'm like, where are y'all? And I want to come over. So it's off to the races again for me. Is that the dude I know? Yep. Okay. So it's off to the races again for me. And um, I go back home and I bring... Um, I bring syringes into the house. Yeah. I bring needles into the house. And he's like... Is that like, new? I thought you'd been doing that. Well, I hadn't been doing that the whole time. So, like, I, I, um, when I got sober, I was like, I'll never do that shit again. You know what I mean? And then I relapsed, so I'm not, like, using... I'm not yeah. IV. Okay. Well, I go I go hit the, that old crowd, and I'm like, let's Back rock and roll, yeah. you know? And, like, the, the cool thing about drugs is they let you live on a level that's, like, 12... <laughs> Yeah. So it's not necessarily that everything's great. You're just really high and everything seems great. So right. I was like, oh, this is the tits, you know? Of course. <laughs> so, um. So you bring that into the house and I how bring... does he react? Is he stoked? Or he calls he... the cops. Oh. <laughs> 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 this is where it starts getting crazy. Okay. So I bring it into the house. He knows I have drugs in the house and he calls the police. But he's been doing drugs too. It's a different. Right. He's high on drugs. Yeah. And he calls the cops. Why it's a high? It's a total shit show. Okay. So he's getting high too, but he calls the cops on me. Because he wants, he's trying to get my attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have Rob on Zoom. The cops show up. And um, they check my blood pressure. EMS comes out because he told them, like, she's been using drugs. Like, EMS comes out. Uh, they check all my stuff out. And they're like, wow, you're, uh, your vitals are just off the charts. So they take me to the hospital. And um, the doctor's like, we're going to give you a psych evaluation. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And I talk to them and they're like, all right, well, we're going to let you go. So I'm like, (laughs) I'm on Zoom with with Rob and I'm like, let me call him and tell him to come get me. So they give me a Valium and send me home. So I call homeboy up and I'm like, come get me. They let me go. So he comes and gets me from the hospital. We go right back to the house, which is insanity. (laughs) He just called the cops on you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, come get me. I want to go home. So he comes and gets me, takes me home. Well, like a day or two later, I'm sitting on a Zoom call upstairs. And at this point, I told him, like, we're never getting back together. You're a cop caller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like you've called the cops on me. Like, you're trying to get me into trouble. Like, once you cross a certain line, there's no coming back. Yeah. So I'm barricading. I've barricaded myself into a bedroom. I'm getting just trashed mm. um, with my buddies on Zoom. And he, I'm sitting there listening to some Blink-182 one day. And um, 
I hear somebody downstairs and I look, I look at Rob on Zoom and I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if that was the cops? He called the cops again. Call the cops again. So I walk out with my because you were listening to Blink One Eighty Two. That's not a crime. <laughs> that's encouraged. No, he called the cops because I, I had barricaded myself into a room, wouldn't talk to him, and I brought more drugs into the house. Uh, so gosh. that whole thing. So yeah. the cops show up, and um, I was just straight up with him. That I was like, "Here's my paperwork. We're breaking up. He's not taking it well. He keeps trying to get me into trouble." And they said, "Well, he says you're using drugs." I said, "I am." But you can't search my house without a warrant. I know my rights, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I am. That's true. I was like, but like, do I seem like I'm, because I hadn't engaged with him. I was like, I'm not going to talk to you, you know, um, and locked myself in a room. And then he calls the police. So he's like really trying to get me into trouble at this point. Yeah. Which I was like, I'm not about to pick up a drug charge in New Mexico. So that's okay to tell them like at the door. Like, yeah, I am. That's not a reason for them to come in and search. Right? They were cool. Like, they were cool with me about it because I was being upfront with them. And then they started to realize, like, okay, he's kind of going through this, like, mental breakdown. Yeah. I was cool as a cucumber. I was like, look, I want to leave. I was like, I'm trying to find, you know, somewhere to go. I don't have any family here. I don't have any friends. You know, I don't have anywhere to go is the thing. And, like, un like I've been paying the bills. There, so I had 30 days to get out of there. Yeah. And um, I said, I want to leave peacefully trust me, I want to leave. I was like, but I just kind of can't right now. Right. And um, they ended up making him like go somewhere. So he, really? he left. Yeah, they told him to leave. And um, he Even though it's his place, kind of? Like, well, I'm paying or... all the bills. It's his mom's place. Yeah. And so he thought he could just like kick me out. But like, I have rights. Yeah. But yeah, I guess technically it's yeah. your place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm on there. And then Rob, my buddy from Zoom, like my best friend from Reddit is like, whom I've fallen in, I'm, I have fallen in love with Rob at this point. Yeah. So me and Rob are like in love with each other. I wrote him. Is he like chilling on Zoom while you're talking to the cops? Yeah. I kept him on there the whole time. And I told the cops, I said, I got a witness. <laughs> wow. Trust me, I will record everything I do. I'm not, yeah. I'm not scared. And sometimes it's the best thing to do. So, <laughs> so, um, Rob and I have fallen in love with each other at this point. And I had written him this poem he had bright pink hair at the time about how beautiful and colorful his hair was and how beige my world had become hmm. and um how i wanted to just lose control and and vomit pink all over everything in my life and i read that you sent that's one of the ones you sent I, me i did send you that one huh yeah it was a good one i wrote that to rob during the during my big uh, relapse okay. cool so um rob goes i'll come get you and I was like, I'll pack a bag. And I start packing my stuff. Oh, that's right, because he lives three hours away. Yep. So at this point, like, neither one of us have any money. The guy, uh, the ex-boyfriend, had taken had taken my cash that I did have. Oh, damn. So the day I'm packing up for Rob to come get me, which, by the way, was on the 4th of July. It was like my one-year anniversary with Homeboy I left. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, they, he wouldn't give me my cash because I needed to give Rob gas money to like come get me because like neither one of us had a thing. Yeah. Um, and because Rob had actually just gotten out of prison, he had done like seven years. Um, so I was like, yeah, this guy just got out of prison and met him on the internet. Come get me. <laughs> yeah. Um, which turned out to be one of the better decisions I've made in my life. So he steals his grandmother's truck in the middle of the night. <laughs> and comes to get me. Well, I'm trying to get my cash back to get gas for us to go back to where he's from, which is in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. Right. And um, so I needed like 60 bucks and 
dude's like, I'm not giving you the cash. And I said, okay, that's fine. Let me make a phone call. Um, so I sold a nude photo of myself. Did <laughs> <laughs> have a phone call? Like, I, I made a phone call. call. I was like, hey, I need to get out of here. What would you like? <laughs> Send me nudes. Sure did. All right. So I sold some nude photos, got 60 bucks, and... Um, and Rom came and got me in the middle of the night and we put it on Zoom. So he Zoomed from his camera, I Zoomed from my camera and all of our Reddit friends got to watch us meet for the first time in person. What a trip. And they had watched us fall in love. Huh. So it was cool. They were like, we're watching like a love story unfold, you know? <laughs> so I opened the door, Rob arrives. I opened the door to go let him in and my ex-boyfriend is in the driveway and he's on mushrooms. <laughs> and I'm like, I close the door and I'm like, guys, my ex-boyfriend's here. What do I do? <laughs> So Rob walks in, cools a cucumber. We grab my little bags, we hop in the car and we jet. And we didn't know, like, cause you have different chemistry in person than you have with people online. Of course, yeah. And we didn't know like if we were gonna really like each other in person. We didn't know how this was gonna go over, you know, like. At least you had the video calls. That's a little, much that's better than helpful. just text. Yeah. But still, it is a different thing to be in each other's actual space. Yeah. Yeah. So he comes and gets me, and we 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 head out of town. <laughs> well, we didn't know what we were gonna do. You know what I mean? Yeah. He takes me to his grandmother's house, which he told her I was coming into town and getting a hotel. Come to find out, um, so like we're just like, what? Well, we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was no like uh, plan. Right. It was just you're like just down there now. <laughs> I like, I love you. You love me. You're in a bad spot. I'm gonna come get you, and I raised the money. <laughs> so. Comes, gets me, we dip out of town, and we go to the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. And you're just at Grandma's house? At his Grandma's house. Is she awake? Like, I thought you were going to a hotel. Or... We just kind of snuck in. Oh, okay. So, like, I'm just kind of sneaking Is around. Is like, 2 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon? Or... Oh, we got back at probably, like, oh, shoot. We probably got rolled in town about 8, 9 a.m. Oh. So, I just kind of okay. slide in the house. So, yeah. up? <laughs> Yeah, but I don't think they see me at first. So, like, we're just kind of sliding in the house. Well, then, like, like two or three days later, like... Two or three days later. <laughs> I forget that I had applied for unemployment. Like, two or three days later, my back pay from unemployment hits my account. Oh, wow. So, I got, like... I got, like, back pay. It was, like, $2,000 into my yeah, bank account. Which is unlimited money when you're broke, for sure. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> hey... I was like, Rob, you've never been anywhere because he'd never left the state of New Mexico before. I was like, let's go somewhere. Let's yeah. do something, you know? And are you talking to grandma at this point? Is it like, like she knows I'm there, you know okay. what I mean? She's realized I'm two there. Or three days. But sure. I get, so I get that money and I'm like, all right, let's get us, like, I ended up renting like this little Airbnb and we in stayed in the same town. Yeah, we stayed in the same town. Okay. And um, then I got like a hotel for like a week or two. And um, then we go back to his grandma's house. And my buddy calls and he's like, I got a townhouse in Albuquerque. And because we wanted to be roommates. Yeah. Uh, my buddy that, you know, my bad crowd I had been hitting it hard with. Yeah. We had decided we were going to be roommates. So he calls. He's like, I got a townhouse. Rent's paid up three months. I got an extra room for you. Come out. We're going to do this. Oh, sweet. So Rob and I decide. And in the middle of all this, I end up renting a room at his friend's house for like a month. So I ended up staying in this town for like two months. Oh, damn. Yeah. So I, I had up with his buddy. Um, 
I rent a room in, out of his house for a month. I give him like 300 bucks, which when you're broke is a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, give him 300 bucks, rent a room out there for a month. And um, he ends up, the buddy ends up saying like, I got to get sober. I'm moving to Colorado and leaves. So my buddy hits me up and is like, I got a townhouse. Come on. So, and thank God that he moved because I don't think if that guy would have moved, we would have ever moved. So we go to Albuquerque and we all move into the townhouse together. Okay. Um, so yeah, we all we're we're all just doing bad in the you know on our with our addictions. Okay. And well, we're all in this. It up and... We're all in this townhouse together. Right. And so it was a dark. It, it got kind of to be a dark situation. Um, but I knew I loved Rob. I knew that I wanted to stay alive. And um, I knew I wanted to see my son again, which yeah. I don't think I mentioned on the on the podcast before. Um, like five years ago, I had a baby. And um, I had been estranged from my son because I was just a mess. And um, this whole time, this whole journey people have been hearing about, I've had this void that I missed my kid. Yeah. My kid was the only thing that kept me alive. I had this poem I wrote to him about how amazing he is because... He's the thing that made me brave. You know, he's the thing that made me strong. He's the thing that made me smile when I just wanted to die. Yeah. You know, and the hope that I would see my son again kept me alive. So one night back in August, it was August 4th, I told Rob, I said, I'm going to go see my son. I didn't know that I could because I thought that my parental rights had been relinquished. Well, Rob, having been in the legal system before, He's able to look up my case. Oh, really? He can pull the case and he looks at it. He said, you can see your son. Hmm. And I said, I'm going to go see him. And I didn't know up until that moment that I could even do that. So. And your son's where we are now. My son's in Kansas, Kansas City. City. So I'm in New Mexico. He's in Kansas City. So they got to get from A to B. Um, so we all go to the townhouse. Well, my roommate decides to rent a car for a month. And I look around and I'm like, I want to see something happened in me. And I just did it. I, would, I told him, I said, let's go on a road trip and go see my son. Because my roommate's really thick in an opiate addiction. Me and Rob are doing great, but we know we want to do better. And I know I've got a kid out in this world. Yeah. And I think that was a great example of Providence because I didn't know that I'd ever see my son again. Um, and you know, my roommate gets this car rental and I'm like, let's go. Yeah. And it saved all of us. Um, so we leave town. We don't have access to anything anymore. We packed up, we left and we were only going to be out here for a few days. So we come out. Um, I saw my son again on his fifth birthday. Oh, perfect. <laughs> he walked in and I've got it on video and I hooked him. And um, we threw him a birthday party. So me, Rob, and my buddy all road tripped out here. We turned a 12-hour drive into a 19-hour drive. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I get here and I hug my kid. That's all I needed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's August. That was September 1st. September 1st. I came out, hugged my kid for the first time in three, four years. Wow. And that's a powerful, powerful thing. And I'm realizing that love is the most powerful force on this planet. 
really is. And I think that's why, like, that movie Monsters, uh, Monsters, Inc., they, you know, it's like solar power when they laugh. Oh, I don't know. You know, so, like, their power, their uh, harvesting power from screams from scaring kids. And at the end, they go in and start making kids laugh. And it's like solar power in compared to, like, you know. I gotcha. And it's like they, they, produce so much more power when they're laughing yeah and um damn that's true that's so true like love and happiness are you know two of the most powerful driving forces on the planet Hmm. and i think that love is it kept me alive you know well now it's kept you out here so you're only yeah. going to come out for two or three days? Yeah. So we get out here, hug my kid. My friends start cleaning up and we all start getting our act together. And we're like, let's let's do our business ideas from Kansas City. Let's stay. There's nothing for us in New Mexico but trouble. Yeah. We don't want to go back. And the guys are like, we don't want to go back. And I was like, I don't want to go back either. And we stayed. And I saw you at one point. We didn't tell this story because we no. just didn't get around. We wanted to save it for the podcast and everything. Yeah, yeah, to. yeah. But that must have been. It was September, right before October. you came out. Yeah. So we decided to stay. We rented that little duplex over yeah. there. And um, so you came out. We all kicked it, and um, we're still um, we're still struggling with our addictions. You know, it's hard. That's a hard thing to kick. And so we, I had on Reddit found someone in the area we picked up from and I'm battling this thing and um hard because you know I've got my kid back in my life and I'm like I got a lot to lose now because yeah. once you come back into a child's life like that you can't leave him again you know right. he's five yeah. like he knows his mom in the town he was so happy that I came back into town and um that's like building trust with my kid yeah, now he's five. It's and memories I'll, from here on out. And I'll never, ever have another shot at that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this is my shot. So, I see my kid. I'm starting to see my kid more. You know, we're playing basketball. We can skateboarding, painting with him. And um, you come out. We'd had a relapse while we were here, um, <laughs> which you knew. I mean, it was pretty obvious. And then we got just miserable, you know what I mean? It's hard getting on and off drugs like that. Yeah. It's bad for you, you know? It's bad for you mentally and emotionally and spiritually, not, I mean, physically, that's just, we can handle that, like my mind. Yeah. My mind and my spirit were just taxed, you know? And I, one day I looked at Rob, I was like, if we're really as good for each other as we say we are, we'll fix this. And we did, we got, we got sober, we got sober again. And, um, I, we get sober and, um, did you stay at that, uh, duplex or whatever for a while longer? Oh, so we leave, we leave the duplex and we go, we rented out the third floor of this historic house in Kansas city, which was dope. We stayed there like a week. We rented it out for like a week. The was third that in floor. Is that like 39th street? No, of? this is over like in crossroads, which is like the arts district. Oh, and there's a lot of like sounds cool. really cool historic homes over there. So we rented that out for a week and um, 
man, we had a blast in that thing. It had a big claw bathtub in there. And like, I've got a picture of Rob sitting in this big claw bathtub with two sandwiches. I mean, we're just like loving life, you know? Yeah. So we do that and then we have to leave. So we, I get a U-Haul to put all of our stuff in because we're going to find somewhere to move kind of like more permanently. Do you know where you're going? When no, you no, no. We, we had no plan. Yeah. So we put all of our stuff in the U-Haul. We rented out a room in a basement for like a night or two. Well, the next day, my buddy's like, I'm going to, and I can tell when someone has the itch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I could write the book on compulsive behaviors. So. My buddy's like, I'm going to go to Target. I'll be back. And I looked at Rob. I said, he's not on my U-Haul rental. I said, go with him, drive him. So Rob drives him to Target. Well, he walks in with no backpack and comes out with a backpack. Come hmm. to find out that backpack was full of electronics he'd shoplifted. Oh, damn. So Rob, you know, I told you Rob had gotten out of prison. Yeah. He doesn't need any more bad press. <laughs> so right. they get pulled over in my U-Haul. The cops were just waiting on them. And, How far did they get? Oh, not far. Like a block. They didn't get very yeah. far at all. They had just been waiting on them. So the cops pull them over and make all my shit in it. Rob's terrified. You know, he's already got PTSD from being... he said he was locked up for seven years. Yeah, he's already got PTSD from that, you know? How soon, when you met him, how long had he been out for? The first day we talked was the day that he got out. Oh, crap. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I've got this guy who's like never left in Mexico. Hasn't really seen the light of day much. Yeah. And I'm like, pack a bag. Let's go. You're on this road. You're on this journey too. You and know? fast forward to this day, he's in a U-Haul with stolen right. crap in it. And he does, and like, he didn't take anything. Yeah. He's and not driving, is he? He was driving. Oh, That's why I sent God. him so he could drive because that guy wasn't on my rental. Oh, yeah. The cop was pulling him over. And at that point, he's a getaway car. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But luckily, the cops, for some reason, had some mercy on him and said, get what you can out of this U-Haul and take off. So he walked like two miles, God love him, with as much of my stuff that he could get out of that U-Haul. Damn. And he walks back and he's like, our buddy's in jail. So I'm like, we got to figure something and out. they're taking the U-Haul? They took the U-Haul because I was supposed to return it that morning. So it had been marked as not paid. And I guess because of COVID, there's a big issue with people like renting U-Hauls and then like living in them. Oh, so you're so they're busted like, for the Walmart or Target theft and the U-Haul theft? Yeah, and well, it wasn't reported as stolen. It, they just said, no, it hasn't been paid for for today. Okay. So they wouldn't let him leave with it. Wow. So he gets as much as my stuff, walks like two miles. Go. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't either. It was it was divine intervention that he didn't go. And if yeah. he gets in trouble, it's, he'll never see the light of day again, you know? Yeah. So God love him. He gets as much of my stuff as he can, walks two miles back to the house in the rain. And I'm like, well, let's figure let's figure something out. So we ended up we're able to get um get us a lift. We book this place we're in now. We book this Airbnb. And um, it was just, you know, a room. We just needed a room and time to figure stuff out. What did you, did you book it for a night or? I think we had booked it for like maybe two, three nights. Okay. And we'd come out. So <laughs> we get here and um, my buddy gets out of jail and comes back. And I said, you're not saying another thing with my name on it. Yeah. <laughs> so we make him get a separate res and he books here too. So we're all living in this um it's kind of like bohemian folk art. Yeah, this place is rad. Yeah, it's like <laughs> bohemia meets folk art. Um, and it's uh, kind of like a hostel. It has a hostel vibe. Oh, definitely. Um, so we love it. I, I'm eating it up. Me and Robert in heaven. I get yeah. here and it was just like a collective sigh. And we looked around and we're like, we want to be part of this. And I was like, this is cool. 
and we're like, we want to leave this place better than when we found it, you know? Hmm. And, um, we love it here. Just immediately we felt, uh, you know, just like, this is our spot. Like we found our place. So we ended up like booking, we booked up for like a month or two. We ended up booking for a month or two as like guest. And, um, my buddy in the meantime takes off. He does his own thing. And Rob and I are doing sobriety together. And like my kids here, dude, I spent Halloween with my son. He was a Ninja Turtle and (laughs) I got to take him trick or treating. What turtle was he? I don't even know. Remember what color is? I think it was red. Okay. Raphael, he had a little size. Okay. Yeah. He had a little, a little red thing, man. We had the best Halloween and it was myself, his father, with his father, we all are starting to like hang out together. Like. He comes over here and we're going into like, we broke into an old castle and did graffiti and we're shooting fireworks off the top of it. You know, like I'm starting to build this cool life with my kid involved. And I I was on a walk one morning, Rob and I went for this walk and we're walking towards the sun and I look around and I'm like, forgiveness is acceptance that you cannot change the past. That's what it is to me. And I looked around and I said, you know, Rob, the only person I haven't been able to forgive is me. Hmm. And I cried and I forgave myself on that walk that morning. Because it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to feel like you screw up and you screw up and you blow it. And you blow it for everybody to watch and you let yourself down and I let my kid down. And I said, I got to forgive myself for that shit, you know? And I was ashamed of it. There's a lot of shame there. Which shame, <laughs> Brene Brown, give her a shout out again. I'm reading her book about daring greatly. And it's about how it's okay to fail greatly because it means you were in the arena fighting at one point. And um, the shame that I had carried around for so long made me feel unworthy of connection. <laughs> and um, I am worthy of that. And I don't have to be ashamed because when you own your story, you write your ending, you know? Yeah. And so I forgave myself that morning and I texted my mother and I said, I want to rebuild my life here. I want you involved. I want to do it with you. I want to do it with my kid. I want to do it with my family. Because I've been on on the road for three years. You know, nobody knew much about me. My family a lot of times didn't know where I was or what was going on. Right. Um, and they had a lot of, um, I realized that be- I realized because of my shame, I pushed my family away because I didn't feel worthy of connection with them. Right. And when I started really digging through that and going through that, uh, I was like, you know, I should include them in my life. You know, family's everything. And, yeah. and now you're right here son and mother and yeah everybody else and um i forgave myself that morning on that walk and i i told my family i want to rebuild my life i want you guys involved in my recovery and i want my son here to do it with me and i want to do it the right way you know because i've always tried to do these great things but for somehow i've always just kind of veered off the the good path and ended up trying to kind of going about things the wrong way i was like i want to do things the right way because it's self-sabotage because of that shame and that fear and um i don't live in that stuff anymore and so christmas i spent christmas with with my mom my son his father and rob yeah (laughs) and we all had Christmas together this year. 
And for somebody like me who hadn't spent a Christmas with my family in three, four years, that's huge. And um, I gave my mother a letter on Christmas and I was like, I'm going to continue to make a living amends to you by doing what's right. And I want to be someone you're proud of. And uh, my mom hugged me on Christmas and she goes, you never have to say you're sorry. She said, you know, you're a great person. You've got a lot of gifts to give this world and you could do a lot of good. And she's like, do it, you know. And to hear my mom say that, the person who I felt hated me and was ashamed of me and didn't love me anymore, tell me that, uh, moved me. And um, I started to believe that. I started believing those things about myself. Like, I'm worthy of human connection. Um, and I'm a great mother. And, you know, I have a lot to give the world. So, um, And now you, uh, you're you not paying to be here anymore there. So we come. Reverse, right? we, we got ready to go on a trip. We went and saw Rob's family. And this is the first time, like, he's seen them since he had gotten out of prison so you've been in this hostel for what a week a couple we had been here for like a month or two and yeah. um thanksgiving rolls around well rob had been back in communication with his father you know telling him like hey i'm getting my life together and you know we we learned that we could as long as we were doing good our families would support us and love us yeah and i think that was a realization for both of us because like okay we're like okay we do have these good people in our lives that do want to see us do well you know, as long as we're doing our part, we can reach out to them. We can lean on them. So you spent Thanksgiving with his we went, side? Yeah, we That's went cool. to um, Arizona. We flew out to Arizona. And right before we left, they said, do you guys want to do a residency here? Do you guys want to help us? Like, here at the hostel? Here, yeah. yeah. Because they, they had a resident artist. So they'll have resident artists and, like, you know, just creatives come in and they give them a spot to live and that they can help, you know, run this whole thing. Cause there's 12 rooms here. Yeah. And, um, they're always looking for good, uh, good creatives to come in and make this like a hub, you know, it's a lot of good vibes here. And we just fell in love with these people. Um, they became like family to us. Yeah. I haven't met everyone yet, but who I have met, it's been pretty cool. And yeah. They're, I'm excited. On the walls, everything. Yeah. So they start letting me paint on the walls and, so they're like, come, when you come back from your trip, come back here. We'll give you guys a three-month residency. And we're like, sweet, rad. <laughs> yeah. So we go out to Arizona um, for the holidays. I meet Rob's family. Like, Rob from Reddit to, like, meeting his family. And, like, we're sober and we're doing good. And, oh, hmm. uh, man, life's just beautiful. And it was so great. And then... Um, we ended up flying from Phoenix to Albuquerque and we spent a night in Albuquerque and I hooked up with one of my old girlfriends who I'd been sober with before and she cooked us dinner and we caught up and I mean, man, it, was, it feels so good to look at my friends and say like, I'm really doing good. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not fake. It's like, it's like I'm, I'm finding myself as like this woman who's, um, who's, in this new chapter of like motherhood and sobriety and family and love and like, you know, and I've got an art residency and I'm becoming someone. Yeah. And, um, and I started taking charge of my mental health towards the end of the year. So I, um, I went in, I started going back to therapy and seeing a psychiatrist and man, that's done so much for me. Um, staying on top of that because it's hard to practice good coping skills if you don't even have the mental clarity to make those decisions. So I got some mental clarity and, um, spiritually, I just started growing just as this, like this newfound sense of like purpose and like restored 
meaning and like I'm I'm like, man, my gripes are my gratitudes. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, oh, well, I'm aware. <laughs> you know? well, it's nice that you have this place and it's solid and you know you're here and you're surrounded yeah. by cool people coming in and out and you're being encouraged to do what you love to do, which is art. You know? Yeah, and it's like I feel so supported and loved creatively just for who I am genuinely. You know what yeah. I mean? There's no mask. like, um, And that's a dangerous thing to say during these times, but like my mask is off, you know, and I'm like, this is me. Yeah. And... Um, it's been a powerful thing. So we come back, we flew to Albuquerque for a night. We took a train. We took the Amtrak train oh, yeah, straight from Albuquerque to here because Union Station is here. Yeah. And I mean, man, I had never ridden on a train before. It's fun, huh? Oh, I love it. It's my preferred method of domestic transportation these days. Yeah. So we rode the train and it went like up through New Mexico into Colorado and then like through Kansas here. We had the best time, just like, hmm. there's an observation deck and we're going all through these snowy mountains, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm sitting in this warm glass, like train car, looking at all of it. And I'm like, man, my life is amazing. Yeah. You know, my life's amazing. <laughs> like here I am with Rob from Reddit, you know? And like, I love him and he's got this great family who's just made me feel so excited. I'm gonna get him on the podcast before I leave town too. Oh yeah, you gotta For hear sure. his side of things. It's rad. Yeah. Um, and he's an interesting person to talk to because he's been somewhere a lot of people haven't come back from. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we both went to some really dark places, but the beauty in being, going to a dark place is coming back to the light. Um, you know, because it's that scale. Like, you only lo know light without darkness. Yeah. And I fully believe now the darker you go, the more the brighter you can become. Hmm. You know? And because you know that that contrast, yeah, you know? Yeah, the whole little spectrum Ooh, at that point. <laughs> I've... <laughs> I've seen hell <laughs> and um, I lived it, you know, and now it's like the light's so bright and I'm like not veering away from it. I'm like stepping into it. I can like face the sun, you know, and like, so we take the train back, we come back, we start our residency here and um, man, I love it here. Like they let me paint on the walls, you yeah. know, and uh, they're like, you know, whatever you want to do. If you guys have an idea, do it, you know, and, yeah. and I'm meeting all these really cool people that are just, I met some great people here. And well, hopefully the next time we do this podcast, you don't have another dark story. And it's all just a bunch of brightness I'm, between now. And yeah. I want to stay on that path because man, like, am I reaping the benefits from that? You know, like, yeah. and I just, I've become a resident artist and I'm becoming this piece of folklore at this like hostel. And, um, <laughs> That feels good. It feels good to, you know, show my family pictures and say, this is where I live and this is what I do. And it's like me and my kid are on a balcony painting one Sunday, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, skateboarding down the street here. It's, it's me throwing paint on walls and my son telling me, mom, no one's even yelling at us and me saying, that's the best part, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, it's, building a lego table from an old headboard you know to give to my son like that's the kind of stuff i'm doing that's that's what makes you alive you know yep. that's what feels good about being alive and um that's a good note <laughs> we have this cool residency here and then rob and i are just doing life you know we are thriving and i don't I got a cho I have a choice today. I wake up every day and I choose not to use drugs. I choose to call my son. Hmm. You know, I choose to call my mother. 
I choose to be good to people. And, uh, you know, that's the great thing about it all is like, I, I make that choice every day. Yeah. And as I continue to make those choices, my life gets better and better. And like, if you would have told me a year ago that I would be right here right now and I would be reunited with my son, which seemed impossible. It seemed totally impossible. Um, and I would be a sober resident artist and I would be hosting people who travel and helping people along their way. And, you know, being of maximum use, um, I would have cried because it would have seemed like someone else's fairy tale, you know? Yeah. And I well, was uh, yours, you know? This it's is yours, mine. Your story. It's mine. Continuing on. And it's cool because, like, this place, there's a strip club on one side and a rehab center on the other. <laughs> so, like, you can go either way, you know? And I actually, like, have um, put in for a job at the rehab center. So, like, I'm going to work with other people like me because, like, I needed other people like me who had done it, who had gotten sober, who to tell me, like, my therapist, you know, it gets better. Hang in there. Yeah. And, um, that's so powerful. The power, being vulnerable and telling your story and owning your story is so powerful because there's someone out there. There was me at 19 who needed to hear me at 30. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, um, you can do that for you just have to, over there. Yeah. And like sharing yourself with other people is a scary, but it's a powerful thing. Um, and we all need each other. And COVID has kind of taught me and I hated it in the beginning because I, I was still like pushing away human connection. But COVID taught me like, we really do need other people. Right. We really do. As much as we say we hate society and we hate each other, at the heart of us, we're social creatures and we need each other. We need to hear the good and the bad because it gives us that contrast. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I need to know about your bad times because I cannot relate to a perfect person. You know, um, makes sense. And that's how we forge the path for others. You know what I mean? That's how we forge that road that other people can walk down. Yeah. You know, it's just putting, laying all our bad stuff out like asphalt. Yeah, and then hopefully just rolling as a society, over. we keep getting better. Individually, we get better in generation to generation. I think society is shifting um, to where real is the new sexy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got to be authentic. Authent yeah. Authenticity is king, yeah. you know, and um, I'm a part of, I want to be a part of that. You know, I want to be authentic. Um, I want to be true to people and um, part of me doing that, like I said, you can't pour from an empty cup is taking charge of myself, what I can do within to promote that goodness, yeah. you know, like, and that's me going to therapy, me being honest with my, you know, with, with Rob and, and my family and not hiding from the world. You know what I mean? Giving the world yeah. the good and the bad. What's the best way to communicate? It's just to say things how they are. Yeah. And that was so hard for me for a long time because I lived with shame and fear. What if somebody does know my whole story, you know? Well, good, because like I'm writing the ending, you yeah. know, I'm writing the ending of my story now. And it's like this good part of my life where like my son asked to come see me. And the coolest thing was I had to rebuild trust and rebuild my relationships. And my son, I told him I was going out of town for Thanksgiving. It was written all over his face. He didn't think I was going to come back. Yeah. And he was sad. He said, you're leaving. And I said, I promise I'm coming back. And when I came back and he saw me, he came over that night 
uh, one night after I'd gotten back and he saw me and he jumped down from his dad's arms and he ran across the yard and he jumped into my arms and he hugged me and he put his head on my shoulder and felt good because I kept my promise. Yeah. And um, he knows I'm here. You know, he knows his mom's here. He knows I love him. He got to spend a birthday and a Christmas with his mom and his dad. Those things seemed impossible at one point in my life. It seemed so impossible. And whatever your impossible is, nothing's impossible. Yeah. Nothing's impossible. Well, now it's your reality. So. It's my reality, and I'm living this. My I'm living my ideal life. You know, I'm I'm living. They always say in um, you know recovery, the recovery world, they say, well, play the tape all the way through, and they're talking about the bad tape. But um, I started shifting my thinking to where I'm like, I'm gonna play my good tape through. Cause I know about the bad. I can do yeah. bad all day long. I know where that goes. Yeah. But what if you become the mother you want to be? What if you become the woman, the leader, you know, the writer, the artist? What if you become those things? What does that look like? And like, I'm just practicing that kind of this form of like lucid living where I'm just doing it, you know? Yeah. And a lot of it's serendipitous, but most things in life are, I think most great things in life are. Um, and, we have just been, you know, set up to win and we've got our families backing us. I've got my kid, I'm doing it with my kid by my side. You know, I'm, I love co-hosting here cause I'm like kind of like an Airbnb co-host now. So I get to throw like, I'll send out a little invitation, like come celebrate friendship. And everybody <laughs> yeah. will come out back and hang out by, we'll light a fire and shoot some fireworks and like. That's one of the most important things just to be surrounded by friendly, like-minded people, travelers coming through yeah. and keeping your vibe up and vice versa and yeah. just keep it rolling. It's an yeah. oasis here, man, because there's always yeah. interesting people coming through. You know, I'm, I get to like throw my little events on a much smaller scale that are like beneficial and nice. Yeah. And, you haven't um, canceled any and uh, bailed out in I have not. Yet? I've <laughs> sent out every invitation. I've shown up to every one of them. <laughs> All right. You know what I mean? And like... That's remarkable for me. <laughs> yeah. That kind of track record did not was impossible back in the day. Yeah. And like I'm not hiding. I'm telling everybody my story. I'm like, yeah, here's what I did. I'm I'm the chick that blew the pot march in Alabama, you know. And like, yeah. but look at me now. Like I'm yeah. I'm painting on the walls, you know. I I did a mural on a wall here, and it was so great. But like our life is so cool, and um, but I had to walk through hell to get here. And you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. Hell yeah. I walked through hell with gasoline boots on to get to where I am right now, but it's so sweet and like so rewarding that thank God, thank God I went through like all the stuff that I went through because it landed me right here talking to you right now. And that was good. We can yeah. wrap it up and next time we do this, hopefully there's not more rehab stories. You never know, life. but you know what? It's just yeah. part of my, but I can't project and you never know, but I'm embracing the goodness and I'm facing the sun and like, I'm surrounded by love and I'm empowered and um, I'm thriving in that. Perfect. Yeah. Sweet. Right. <laughs> Until the next one. Peace. All right. So that is the story with Liz. Uh, pretty wild sequence of events there. Uh, guess we'll see what happens next. And like I said, I'm here. I'm enjoying it and I'll be here for a little while. Uh, really liking the vibe of the hostel kind of spot so far like i said i've only been here a couple days i haven't even met everyone involved but uh 
I just like the vibe. There's art everywhere. There's a little bar downstairs. There's probably eight rooms or something. And I guess people are staying here anywhere from a passing night to uh, several months. So it's good blend of travelers and creative people. And there's like a little workshop in the basement. All this cool stuff. So hang out, wander around the city a little bit. Already hit up the beer group. So I know where a few of the good breweries are. They might have some good uh, imperial stouts, things like that. And uh, speaking of which, talks with uh, Nick have uh, gotten pretty intense as far as uh, episode or series, sorry, season two of Hopping. Uh, So that's virtually definitely going to happen. We need to uh, secure funding and figure out a couple more things and just see how the next few months lay out. But we're really hoping to do that in uh, May or June. Uh, if we can get it all together and I'm confident, I think, I think we can, and I'm excited. It'll be even better than the second uh, or the first season by, uh, yeah, technical wise and know-how wise. It's going to be great. So I'm excited. And yeah, like I said, I got my passport now. Uh, so Costa Rica is kind of front of mind as far as, uh, places I can go here in the interim in the next uh, few weeks, maybe, but, uh, yeah, just seeing how things go as usual, and uh, should be good times all around. All right, you guys, that's it for now, and uh, I might get you another episode here sooner rather than later, so look out for the next one, and as always, have a good time, and I will see you down the road. To hell with lands I'm in, I need a new escape With all my shit straight I'll get my big brain